Welcome back to episode 45 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined, of course, as I always am, by your favorite cardboard whisperer, Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Oh, man, I always get countless nicknames. Cardboard Whisperer is a uh, is a good one. Um, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, uh, all things considered, I, I went to the Rangers game last night, my first hockey playoff game since I was in college, I think. And man, like we obviously don't talk hockey on this podcast much just because I don't think either of us would consider ourselves uh, even semi knowledgeable in it, let alone experts. But uh, I do I do follow and, and, and cheer for the Rangers and there's nothing like playoff hockey, especially at Madison Square Garden. So Rangers won probably the best game of the playoffs last night for one. It was, it was awesome to be in the building. So I've been enjoying some playoff hockey. Um, other than that, I'm okay. H- how about yourself? You know, I don't talk to too many people that follow hockey too closely. You're probably the person uh, most in my life that, that pays attention to hockey. You, obviously you're in the building now at Madison Square Garden. I have heard from, from anyone that I've talked to that playoff hockey is one of the best experiences it is. Uh, that a sports fan can have. So not surprised to hear that. It really, really is like, and and honestly, especially with sports gambling being legal in most places now, like if you're mm-hmm. ever just bored on on a night and you want to catch, catch like whatever West Coast playoff hockey games going, like you'll have a great time watching it. Just like throw <laughs> right, twenty bucks on a right. team, just give yourself a little rooting interest. It's just so it, there's it's just like it's heart pounding and it's tense. Um, and I get that the sport itself isn't necessarily for everyone. And then, but then I think why? Like there's nothing not to like about it, and I don't know why I don't keep myself involved in it other than I just don't have the bandwidth to you know, while trying to play like basketball and football DFS professionally, and obviously following all those things closely as well, well as baseball, um, you know, I, I formula one in my life. I just don't, I guess I just don't have the the reach to be a diehard hockey fan these days, but part of me wishes I was, cause like it, it is, it's just a ton of fun. It really is. What, what's the current situation with, with the Rangers series right now? Yeah. So they were down two Oh, this is round two. So the uh, hockey is like about one series behind the NBA right now. So it's, okay. it's round two of the playoffs. So they were down two Oh, and now they've won uh, games three and four at home. Um, so now they tied it up to two going back to Carolina for game five tomorrow night. Um, so that's a big, that's a big game. And then, you know, we'll see, but um, yeah, they, they, this team is probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Like they're very young. We have probably the best goalie in the, the our goalie, Igor Shesterkin is going to win um, the Vesna, which is basically the MVP for goalies this year. So he's, he's been the best goalie in the league, which kind of has been keeping this team afloat. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they play hard. They have a lot of heart. I don't think that they're the most talented team left in the playoffs, but you know, especially hockey compared to other sports, any team can win any year. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really like, you know, eight, eight seeds have won Stanley cups, you know, numerous times. It's not like the NBA um, or, you know, even the NFL where like only like one of like one of like six to seven teams probably has a chance to win NHL. Like if you make the dance, you have a shot. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we're, we are collectively Rangers fans right yeah, now, at least so. in, uh, for, the, for the remainder of the playoffs or as long as they are in. Uh, another playoff sport that is happening right now, NBA, uh, if you want to call it that, is it really happening? Because all of these games seem to be blowouts yeah. and it's just been kind of put a damper on what it was uh, leading into the conference finals series uh, was a really interesting playoff. It was a really exciting playoff, but the last couple of weeks have just been blowout after blowout. It seems like, uh, including last night as well. I guess the game got close towards the end, but yeah. uh, I mean, we, we plan on talking plenty of NBA conference finals, uh, discussing a lot of the players that are involved here. But there's been some industry news lately, and yeah. I think you and I do a pretty good job of of steering away from numer- rumors uh, and, and getting involved in, in that kind of stuff where we think mostly we uh, think mostly of ourselves as sports prognosticators first right. and how we can apply that to the card market. But of course, doing this podcast, being invested in sports cards like we are, we've got our finger on the pulse of the hobby. And, and though we are mostly focused on player and team level evaluation and performance, both on and off the court, you know, we understand that 
industry stuff can impact card markets as a whole uh, on a more macro level. Uh, I, I think there's some interesting stuff that's happened, uh, you know, since we've last kind of caught up on industry news and stuff that's happened around the hobby that a good portion of our audience is probably affected by or could someday be affected by. So why don't you take it from there, uh, kind of explain what I'm referring to, because I think that you're uniquely qualified, obviously, you being in the breaking streets as often as you are uh, to kind of touch on some of the stuff that's happened in the sports card world over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that was a, I think that was a great, um, you know, preface to, to have this conversation. And I just want to reiterate before I, I get into the set, like, yeah, there's a reason we aren't this, the podcast that talks industry news and even like new releases so much, you know, we, we, we've said, we've sought out from the beginning, we're trying to have the perspective of like fantasy analysts or sports analysts that can kind of use that knowledge uh, to, you know, further your investments within the collectible space. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. Obviously, you know, there are plenty of podcasts out there that will will talk about industry news and hobby stuff all the time. Um, that said, I don't think we could be a sports cards or sports collectibles podcast without at least touching on um, big news when things happen. We talked about fanatics and everything obviously happening around, you know, just the, the makers of, of these cards. And, um, you know, we've spoken about breaking in general. So I think kind of some of the, the stories coming out of the last couple of weeks around the industry are worth us touching on. And as Cody mentioned, I am, I would say uniquely qualified, not only because um, I have a lot of experience in breaking, and I should also preface that I have not been breaking or buying um, specifically from the, the company that we're about to talk about in a while, and it's not because of what happened. I just haven't been doing it. Um, you know, prices have gone crazy in this in this hobby. I, I I am you know trying to steer away from ultra modern. Some of the stuff I've spoken about on on this pod, but let's start there. Um, you know, so so platinum card breaks. They are um, probably the company that I've actually broken with the most. I, I have the most experience uh, with them. They were the first breaker that I ever used getting into uh, when I got started getting into cards three or four years ago. So I have a lot of uh, relationships and experience with them and, and not just on a, a surface level. I, you know, I, I spent a lot, a lot of money. I was a top customer for a long time there. So I got to know the people behind the scenes there. So I'm a little bit uniquely qualified to talk about it. And, and let's just talk about what we're going to get into here. And if you go on YouTube or whatever, and you just type in platinum card breaks, you can kind of see what we're talking about. But there is a video that surfaced uh, about a week and a half ago now, I guess, um, of their main breaker, one of the two uh, owners of the company, uh, he goes by G, um, that basically, by all, the, no matter how you look at this video, it looks like he was trying to scam his customers, basically trying to uh, steal a, a redemption card is, is what he's being accused of. Um, basically on screen and you could again i, I don't want to get into the the willy-nilly of of the details here because it's there's two 20 you know 15 minute videos on youtube that are breaking down what they thought they saw and maybe that they did see um but basically yeah he he was trying to basically put aside a what a redemption card after um it looked like that it was stuck in the box or, or something like that and chat did call him out on it yada yada eventually the you know long story short the redemption was you know appeared on screen he did you know, give it to the customer that uh, should have received that redemption. But there's no way to look at that video and not be suspicious and not think that he was attempting to scam uh, the customers and attempting to steal that redemption for himself. I think that's the baseline of the acquisition. There's there's a lot of other, um, you know, speculation out there that did he think it was a different type of card? Did he try to swap it out with something like yada, yada? Um, no matter how you look at it, and I know, Cody, you saw the video for the first time a couple nights ago and had a visceral reaction, and I just told you off air, like, I, I understand. That's that's probably what you should, and it's, it's smart. These This is, a, this is a, a company that has been around since 2013 or so. They break probably the most of high-end products of maybe any breakers out there. They have a lot of loyal customers. I probably consider myself one of those people uh, still, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. In a minute. But um, 
you know, to, to be so sloppy either way, or to even just to, to even just, um, you know, make it seem like this could be something that would occur, especially on a football, it's a national treasures football break. I and mean, we're talking $4,000 boxes, you know, almost $20,000 cases uh, is unacceptable, no matter how you look at it. And, and now if he was actually trying to uh, scam or steal a card, it's even further unacceptable. And it's, it's something that there's just no room for in this industry at all. Um, so I'll start there. And I want to kind of get your take just as someone with very little knowledge of that company and what you saw. And then I'll talk about some of my deeper thoughts and my experience with them. But before, before that, I just want to kind of throw it back yeah. to you with your perspective. I'm, I'm glad that you went first, because I think you have a more sound uh, initial reaction to what you've seen. You've obviously dealt with these people before you have personal experience with them. You're a customer of theirs, not just a, you know, a friend, uh, you, you are a customer. So I think you have a fair reaction to what you saw and what is what they're being accused of. I would say that I like, you know, both of us think about things in terms of ranges of outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're good at doing here. And what's the likelihood that X thing happened versus Y thing happened. And I think when you look at the video, and again, you guys can all go watch this on YouTube. When you look at the video, there's, I think, two possible outcomes in some range of likelihood that one of those outcomes was what was intended. Uh, either A, they were sloppy, as you mentioned, and did not check through the boxes, you know, closely enough and, you know, accidentally threw away uh, four or $5,000, whatever it was, Justin Fields redemption card. Second outcome is, you know, that they were intentionally trying to scam customers with keep that card for themselves, whatever the case may have been. Um, but I think when you look at the calculated nature in my opinion, having watched the video, the, the, the calculated nature of the box is taken off screen, held over here somewhat in, uh, out, out of, the, they've got three camera views basically over the cards on the breaker and then kind of over here off to the side as well. When it when you look at it and then the, the re reaction afterwards after chat calls them out uh, and says, you know, hey, we think there may have been a redemption card in that box, which you can see if you kind of get the screen grab at the right time of when they're going through those boxes. He grabs the, you know, just the, the whole sleight of hand thing. It just seemed too calculated for me to think this was just a mistake mm -hmm. um, for this to happen. But again, thinking of, thinking of this through ranges of outcomes. At, at best, it was an honest mistake. They didn't go through the, the National Treasures box closely enough and accidentally threw away uh, a redemption card honest mistake you know hopefully that that is those mistakes are very infrequent that is a likely outcome the other outcome you know on the other end of the spectrum is that it was an intentional uh an intentional way to try to scam customers the other thing that struck me on camera and i think this is where i want to kick it back to you uh, i don't watch uh breaks obviously unless you're involved uh and i'll catch those hoping to, to cheer for a big card for you uh and i haven't been involved in breaks at all recently so i haven't watched a platinum card break it struck me how uh, willy nilly they were with those cards, it seemed like when and maybe that's just the nature of this. And that's why I wanted to kick it back to you. But I think my, my overall takeaway with this starting with platinum was anyone that's involved as a customer in box breaks, look, watch the videos. I mean, if, if I would have went into that knowing that I spent whatever $4,000 on a spot, and had them slamming my cards around like that willy-nilly throwing them into sleeves and top loaders and then also the potential that they threw away one of my cards is a little concerning right at, at best case scenario so i would just want to preface that by saying when looking at getting involved with breakers watch watch some of the videos is is this a vibe that you're feeling do they handle the cards the way that you want them to be handled now they use gloves and you know everything seemed legit in terms of that perspective but um I, that's why i wanted to kick it back to you just to see yeah. you know as a customer of platinum outside of this issue 
uh, how have they been as a breaker for you? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. And a, a very astute observation. And, and we, we should separate two things here. Platinum Carbrix is a, is a big, is a big uh, breaking brand and it's not just G that is involved. In fact, G um, is barely breaks anymore. Honestly, he does. He comes on late night every now and then customers like him that are, that are there all the time. They have, he's, he's, he's entertaining at the very least. Like he's, mm -hmm. he says ridiculous things and there's not a lot of ways to justify some of his past behaviors. If you look into some of that stuff, I'm not interested in getting into that here today, but yes, that is G style. And it's, it's, it's reckless. It really is. And, and, and I don't think it necessarily bothered me until I started using some other breakers that I think were a little bit more careful with product, but G's brother-in-law is a guy named D David. Okay. We did all these letters. I, I get it. And he honestly, and I, I talked to somebody, I have his phone number. We, we've texted. He is one of the best people I've ever met. A great, great guy. He breaks during the day. Sometimes usually just new releases, incredibly methodical, incredibly careful, treats <laughs> care, the exact opposite of the way you saw G handling these cards. Yeah. It's, it's funny because they're brothers-in-law and they run this business together and they could not have different, more different styles or, or personalities. If I'm being honest, David is a, is a kind, um, you know, soft, you know, very, very, would never even try pulling something like this if it was what G was trying to pull. So, you know, it's not fair to lump them all together. And I get, we can't kind of have to, because it's, you know, the actions of G represent the actions of that company. And, and for good reason. And he, a lot of ways is the face of it. I mean, he's the, the loud, boisterous one. And I understand that's not a personality or a style that's for everyone. And especially when you're dealing with the national treasures break like that, there's no way to think that the way he was handling those cards is, is for, for everyone. Um, and I think at the very least, and they came out with a statement and that, that at the very least he was, he was reckless and, and he needs to reevaluate the way he handles um, these cards. I think at the very least that is what should come from this, but this is where I'm just going to zag away from the general consensus of what the hobby is thinking in this situation. And again, I will not blame anyone for, um, you know, seeing that video and just automatically assuming, okay, he was trying to scam people. I'm never, you know, looking at them in this way again. But again, I do have to come from my unique perspective here and talk about what, what I may think. And I, I also think there's a nice, there should be a nice middle ground here where there's people like you that don't have any reason to hate these people or no reason to justify. You just see what you see on the video and you make your determination and that is okay. But there's a lot of people, especially if like on these cards, Instagram stuff, that just want to see platinum knock down a peg because yeah. they're, they are this, you know, they have, they have a, um, iffy reputation, I guess, in in some ways, you know, they are um, they're bricks and, and they're they're these they're New York guys that are that are loud and and at least G, you know G is and and you know the personality might not be for everyone. Um, so I understand, you know, and, and and honestly, a lot of them think that they're overpriced and that they you know they would they can't you know afford to maybe get into some of these bricks. I just think that there's 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 some perspective of this that are coming at, at them just trying to to really bring bring them down so i want to come at it from from what my fair perspective is three four years of breaking with these people you know being on the phone with g and d and and, and actually getting to know who these guys are so i think that's an important perspective to have i have a very 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 hard time thinking that g would ever try to pull something like this for a couple of reasons one um, what that break was is what they call like a baller break. It was a 10 spot instead of like a normal 25 spot on a national treasures break. That's going to be like $2,000 plus per person to fill that break up. And that's not even getting access to all the teams. It's just whatever teams weren't sold. So like the Patriots and three or four other teams, and it's $2,000 just to be in that break. You know, the one thing that G has always done is treated um, his quote unquote whales or, or very, you know, high rolling customers very, very well and fair. And to, to the point where, you know, and I, I, and I don't want to even give this away because I, I don't know if I, I should or shouldn't. But man, the second I started giving, spending a lot of money there, he he reached out to me directly, sent me a ten percent off code for life. I think he does that kind of stuff for the people that are going to spend a lot of money. So I don't think he would be 
you know, intentionally trying to scam, especially mm -hmm. those types of customers. And, and obviously there's no, there's no room. A guy spending $2 should be the exact same as a guy spending $2,000. But I have a very hard time thinking on this specific thing. I mean, the card probably is worth about 800 or $1,000. I don't even know if he would have actually gotten to see what the redemption was with how fast he was moving. So maybe, you know, how he thought it was like the, the shield, the, 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 the you know, the, the logo man or whatever, the one-on-one. And, and, you know, is it possible that he did try to pull something? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it really, it really runs me the wrong way to think that that's even a possibility. I'm not ruling it out. Um, but just from my personal experience, I have a hard time thinking for, for that reason. It's a, it was a cheaper card. They make hands over fists money, this company. They do not need a $1,000 card. Now, some people, you know, scam and, and, and commit crimes just for the fun of doing it. So I, I don't want to rule out the fact that, oh, just because this is a cheaper card that they do not need in any way, shape, or form, that they wouldn't do something like that. I'm just playing the other side of the coin here. Um, you know, so I, I I just think that it'll be very, very, it's just hard for me to fathom it. And, he, and also, he knows that a lot of his customers are smart. People call him out on shit all the time. And every all breakers, like, oh, hey, like, can you go back and look at this? I forgot, I think you forgot to top load this, whatever. Like, I think you missed this here. Like, he's got 50, 100 eyes on every single break. Like, it's just, it's, it's just hard for me to think that he would ever actually do something like this. Then again, you know, ego gets in the way, you know, people do things. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just giving my perspective on that sense. And the other thing I really want to, um, uh, really want to hammer home, um, is that, you know, it, the majority of the people at that company, and you can have your own opinion about G it's totally fine, but G's wife, Meg's, um, G's brother-in-law D I, I I've spoken about him, Austin, who is a guy that they hired when he was 17 has not been breaking with them for four or five years. And they treat him, you know, they, they, they've given this kid a career and he's breaks with them till three, four in the morning. And he's couldn't hurt a fly. Very, very nice kid. Um, you know, it isn't all just terrible people. And I don't think that their business should completely suffer the way it is right now. And I get that my, my, pers my perspective is very unique here. Um, and I, I have no problem. Again, if you see that video, make your conclusion and then make your decision about what you want to do at that point. Again, you should be, as Cody said, you should be watching these videos, make a determination if this is a place you want to spend money or not um, for all breakers, for all, all walks of life. They're asking for your business. They want your money. You should hold them to a high standard. Um, but I, I, I know for a fact um, that, the vast majority of the people at that company wouldn't try to pull something like this. I obviously I, I am concerned and, and skeptical about what happened with G and, and I, I will evaluate that in my own for in my own ways about how I want to go forward, you know, as a customer there or, or anywhere else. But, um, you know, I just wanted to give my other side of the coin that I've been treated very well there. They have no reason to ever even try to pull something like this. They have incredible customers that spend a ton of money, uh, including like shine who, you know, is, is one of the you know biggest, mm -hmm. you know, people in the industry and people that spend literally six figures plus per year, if not more, uh, at the, and they just had no reason to pull something like this and, and try to ruin their, their business. So I think he was sloppy and, you know, incredibly sloppy and, um, but, you know, I just wanted to give give my side of the story there. I'm, I'm glad you did because you've walked me back from the ledge. And that's that's why it's important to have people that have perspective like you that have dealt with with these people on a personal basis and as a customer, more importantly, in this situation. Um, but a understanding, you know, the value of the card and the value of their company and what what they could potentially do to hurt their reputation by intentionally doing something like that it wasn't a point that I had totally considered. Um, second, you know, the the point that you bring up about them treating their high rollers uh, especially well with this being kind of a high roller break. What's the point of, you know, what's the point of doing that? If you're going to treat these customers well by giving them discounts, what's the point of trying to rip those same customers off, you know, by, by scamming a redemption card or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, and I, I think that if you want to think about it from a purist perspective, that if this was just an honest mistake, that is something that, you know, you as a customer can overlook and just hope that they learn from this, learn from, you know, the, the break itself and hope that it doesn't happen again. Um, 
I'm more willing to be more inclined at this point now to believe that side of the story too. And also it serves as a good reminder that like me, having not watched platinum card breaks before, or have been a customer of theirs before I go on YouTube, I watch a video, I watch a video breaking down what happened on that break. And then I come to my own conclusions. That's, that's one way to go about it, but I don't have any of the backstory. I don't have any of the personal experience with the people that you did. I don't have, I didn't spend a dime with them. You know what I mean? So like you bring a perspective to me that would have helped inform my opinion outside of having just watched that video. And I think that's what so many people have done now at this point. And I've either correctly or incorrectly drawn their own conclusions. Um, but I think having this perspective and hopefully people that maybe have, have seen the video before listening to this show now have that added perspective uh, going forward. Yeah. And what I really hope comes out of this is, and I don't want to get on a pedestal and, you know, again, G and I have had a relationship in the past and and I don't want to, you know, come at what might be looking like, you know, shitting on a, on a friend or a colleague or whatever I would call him in, in my life. But I just hope he takes a step back and and looks at the way he's not only treats these these cards and, the, and these breaks, but there's a lot of stories that have come out from this about people's personal, um, you know, relationships with the G. I, he's a very harsh guy. He's either incredibly loyal to you to a fault or he's going to hate your guts. And so I think there's been a lot of stories coming out of the way he's treated people at card shows and things that I just have not had been privy to. And that's the other side of these types of things. So I have no problem if people have had those kind of bad experiences and, you know, want to take this as a chance to try to get back or, or whatever, you know, that they feel that they are deserved or were treated wrongly or poorly. And again, I have not had those experiences with G. I just hope that if the, these stories that have come out about him are true, that he can kind of take a step back, look at himself in the mirror and maybe try to treat people a little bit better uh, again and he's just one one wheel of the cog that is platinum carbex i think probably he should not be breaking much if at all anymore he has no reason to the company runs itself i mean he's got mm -hmm. breakers that do a good job that are young kids that you know he pays very well um that you know break till three or four in the morning like he just hops on camera sometimes because the customers had wanted it quite frankly up to that point they missed him he's much more entertaining by you know there's just no way around it whether you love of him, right? He's much more entertaining than Austin. I love you, but he's much more entertaining than this kid Austin <laughs> that comes on in the middle of the night. So, um, you know, I, I think though he should really probably just take a step back, let, let, you know, D do the, the new, new release breaks like he always does during the day and, you know, let the, the other guys that he's hired, um, you know, run, run the other breaks. And, you know, I, I just, again, take a look in the mirror. Uh, and again, I, I, if he listen, if he's listening to this, that's not me saying that I have any issues with you personally, but I've definitely seen what has come out, um, over the last week or so about people's personal stories and, and, um, you know, people just trying to come out and, and, and bring them down. And I don't want to see it. I believe in second chances and I, people be, and I, you know, especially when I have certain relationships with people and only have my experience, but I hope that, uh, you know, he can take a look in the mirror, uh, both of the way he treats uh, cards and maybe people uh, as well. So, nuance nuance yeah. is always what we're what we're hoping for i came in thinking this was black and white um had to talk myself into understanding ranges of outcomes and possibilities that this wasn't just you know this this harsh malicious act you've helped talk me into that hopefully we can bring some nuance to these discussions because i think anything else that you see online is going to be pretty black uh, yeah well white. i'm actually I'm, i want to talk to you about that I'm, I'm hoping to take kind of clip this first 20 minutes and put it out on youtube with platinum car breaks in the title because every single thing you see on there right now is just yeah like, bam, 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 bam. And again, like if you have the perspective that he was scamming these people, good. Like that's, you have that right. But I'm not afraid to put my face and my name out there and take a little bit of a different stance. And I don't give a crap if everyone in the hobby is going to come and say, you're an idiot. What are you, what are you even saying? Like I have my experience and I think my story should be out there from, from that. Like, I, I don't think that's a, a wrong thing. It's okay to think differently guys. Like not every, not everything is, is incredibly black and white um, as you just said. So I, 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 and again, no problem with anyone that's going to see that video, make their conclusions, make their determinations. Um, 
you know, it, that's 100% fine. But I, I want to put, I want to put my perspective out there as well. I thought that that was important. I'm glad, I'm glad you did so for yeah. for platinum and. We, we got to go from one breaker to another, which we don't want to bag on breakers, man. That that wasn't the goal of this podcast. It just so happened um, that, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there's just been uh, this. This has kind of been the the rumor mill. The industry news cycle has been revolving around some of the stuff happening with breakers. Got platinum out of the way. Hopefully we give you guys some some nuanced opinions. Again, whether you're a customer or just a, a viewer, take take draw your own conclusions, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to purchase cards, purchase product from somebody, Watch the stuff first. Get as much information as possible, just like you would if you were if you were coming to uh, a, a website or a company for fantasy advice. You have to do as much research before as possible before just clicking buy, right? So check everything out before you before you submit. That happens in all walks of life, um, especially so for cards when you're spending as much money as we have to on these products nowadays. Um, Platinum card breaks out of the way. Another breaker was kind of in the news cycle uh, over the last couple of weeks, Backyard Breaks. You've got a little bit more familiarity with this story uh, than I do. So I'm going to let you take it from here and explain to the people if they aren't familiar yet what happened with Backyard Breaks recently. Yeah, and it's only fair, the way I just spoke about Platinum Card Breaks, that I give this breaker the benefit of the doubt with all their antics as well. Because the difference here is I have zero, zero experience or relationship with these people. Um, they're kind of more of a new age breaker, came out of, um, you know, the the boom and, you know, the, the TikTok age, the whatnot um, age. And, you know, they are very, you know, young kids. Uh, very loud, you know, they, again, they, they do breaks on, on TikTok and, and things like that. And, and just a, a different way of breaking um, than, than I, than I'm used to, or that I know, and certainly wouldn't be my choice. Um, but, you know, I am not going to say that these people are uh, scammers or, or bad people, but there's plenty, same, same way that if you go to on YouTube and type in platinum car breaks, you can go on YouTube and type in backyard breaks and see plenty of stuff. The, the, what really happened a couple of months ago, how they really got into the news cycle um, is they were doing, um, you know, they were doing a break on, uh, I believe it was as TikTok or, or something like that. And um, they were giving, you know, I, I don't know the exact, you know, uh, details around the story, but they were, I mean, I know the details around the story. I don't know the details of what was specifically happening in that break, but they were going pack by pack, giving giveaways to people in the chat. Um, they picked a, a person per per pack or whatever it was, and that person was going to get everything that came out of that pack. A gold Trevor Kaboom, a gold Trevor Lawrence Kaboom, not a gold Trevor Kaboom, a gold <laughs> Trevor Lawrence Kaboom was pulled obviously a very high-end rookie card of one of the top quarterbacks. Um, and basically, the card did not end up going to the person that was said that it was going to go to right at the beginning of that break. It looked like they were trying to keep it for themselves. I know, and you know, the, the part of the story that everyone always leaves out is that you know, even if they screwed up in that moment, what they did go do the next day is go and just give it away on, on stream. So like they still did give the card away, just didn't end up being in the manner, or they didn't basically live up to the word of what everyone perceived that they were saying in midstream. Um, they, they, there's other stuff similar to how you'll get stuff on G. Like you can get backstories on these guys. I, they seem, you know, not necessarily like generally the, the, you know, kindest people at times. I, there's countless stories about them treating customers poorly as well. Um, but again, I, I don't have the perspective of, 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 you know, breaking with them. I just think it's important to, to point out that they're in the news for a lot of reasons recently. So this is one, the gold kaboom scam. There's been kind of other complaints since then. You can go read about yourself, but then two weeks ago, 
they're the ones that pull the LeBron James triple logo man out of flawless, which has been the most sought after card probably since a Zion Williamson type logo man. Um, this is you're thinking three, four million dollars for this card. It has a game worn logo man for uh, of LeBron James in the same card on the Cavaliers, on the Heat and on the Lakers. This is literally one of the biggest cards to ever hit the hobby in years. This Huge. Is what Drake was, this is what Drake was, yep. was seeking out when he was breaking flawless. So the fact that they were the ones to hit it after all the controversy that surrounded them after the Trevor Lawrence scandal really rubbed a lot of people in the hobby the wrong way. And then cut out to a week later, they reach out to Josh Luber, uh, who is running the cards division at Fanatics, or so we think. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and, you know, he goes on, basically starts fighting with people in their Instagram DM saying, you know, that their behavior was a nothing burger. It's fine. I'm going to go on stream and 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 break with them. Uh, and he ripped the case of 2012 Prism with them. So I think that was a lot of flashback, uh, a lot of kickback that the literally maybe the most important person in the cards hobby right now went on to a breaker that is not only new and, and um, you know, maybe operates in some questionable ways, but that a lot of people just, just frankly don't trust it and, and don't like. Um, and so I think there's been a, it's been an interesting, you know, couple of weeks in the hobby between these two things with all the controversy surrounding them. I think these guys don't mind. I think they're kind of of the sense that yeah. all, all press is uh, good press for them. And they're, you know, they've been, the fact that we're talking about them right now, the fact that, you know, they pulled this, they like, by hook or by crook, they are relevant in the hobby. Um, again, I have no personal experiences with them. I don't like the way that they kind of run their breaks and handle things willy-nilly, like just deciding to give out things midstream to random customers. Like I, I just don't understand their uh, business model where like you could say what you want about platinum breaks. It's a very clear and cut way that they, you know, break cards. Um, yeah, I just so that that's me personally, but I'm not going to go out and same same way that I wouldn't uh, just go run down platinum card breaks throughout. I like to think that I wouldn't if I didn't know my personal experience with them. I'm not going to do the same thing here. But there's there's reasons to be skeptical of this company, especially with all the kind of high um, visibility that they've had in the industry recently with the LeBron James and, and Josh Luber. So. Maybe I'm just too vanilla, but like I watched a couple of these breaks too after, you know, here seeing, well, first of all, I saw the, the Trevor, the gold Trevor Kaboom story uh, a couple of months ago. I think it happened around January, maybe, or yeah, or, it was, it was months ago. Now. It's yeah, been a right. while. Yeah. Um, right. So <laughs> watch that video uh, and then saw some of the recent stuff uh, with just the way that they, their, their entire vibe, I guess, if you will, maybe I'm just too vanilla. Maybe I'm too boring. Maybe you guys find me mundane, but like, that type of loud, boisterous, over-the-top style doesn't play well with me, especially if I'm investing hundreds or thousands or whatever dollars uh, in in card product. I want to see it broken. I want to see it handled nicely, and I want to see it shipped to me nicely. Uh, and if I'm there viewing, ha having a viewing experience, and and I'm told that I'm giving something's being given away to me, and then you find the, the most valuable card in the product and decide not to give it away, that does rub me the wrong way. Uh, it sounds like they made it right after the fact, which again, give them the benefit of the doubt for doing so. In the moment, they hit a $20,000, $25,000, whatever it may have been card, don't exactly know how to react, probably react in the wrong manner. Seem to get it right the following day. Uh, the, the more interesting story for me here is the one that happened recently with Josh Luber coming out and kind of excusing some of the brash behavior. And I, you know, I don't even blame Luber for doing so. It's the fact that he did so with just backyard breaks. That's basically been his yeah. you know, first public appearance as whatever chief visionary or CEO or whatever uh, he's being referred to at Fanatics Car Division. Uh, in, in the first experience, the first public-facing interaction he has with the hobbyists with this group and then kind of excusing some of the behaviors that maybe had been called out um, by others in the past. So I think that was the one thing that probably rubbed people the, the, the wrong way the most uh, coming from Luber, just kind of 
being that his being first experience with folks in the hobby. That's my issue as well. I mean, there are so many breakers out there that have been doing this since 2010, since 2011, that do not have any reputational concerns at all, like latent sports cars and like, uh, like Mojo. There's all these, there's all of these breakers that like before platinum, like I've been around doing this forever, um, have hit some of the biggest cards in the hobby and have run just straightforward, good professional businesses. Um, for years and years. And I have no problem if he wants to kind of make some breakers rounds and get him get his face out there and kind of say like, hey, like, we're happy that the card, you know, the hobby and the, and the card industry kind of has this side to it, the breaking side where everyone can be on live on, on YouTube and on the computers and be involved and interactive. And like, I get embracing that side if you're Josh Luber, but to, to pick only backyard breaks to go to, and I get, I think he came out and said, they're the only ones that asked, but still you kind of have to go to the PR people at fanatics and kind of have a discussion before you go and answer that call so quickly. Uh, I, and he, and he's getting crushed. I mean, he's getting absolutely destroyed no matter how you look at it. People do not like, backyard like a lot of people just don't like backyard breaks and do not like that someone as visible as this i mean there's theories that come out there um that like you know this is has he funded them back then whatever i don't believe any of that kind of garbage but you know i i understand the backlash um and you know i i don't know i want to give him the benefit of the doubt but i think it's much easier to give these breakers the benefit of the doubt than it is josh luber in this case it just seemed like a poor decision whether it was to go to backyard breaks or platinum card breaks uh anywhere with any kind of controversy around it your first kind of public appearance breaking live on screen it just seems like a a, a poor choice to not go to um you know it, to, to not go to a company that uh you know it, it is just that doesn't have any kind of controversy surrounding them if, if you will and kind of do it that way um anyway uh, that, that's that's my thought there and i think just giving these people the benefit of the doubt as people right maybe maybe we don't agree with their philosophies as breakers or business people or card investors or or hobbyists but but giving them the benefit of the doubt as as people as individuals i think is only fair uh especially you know with with luber and the breakers if their style doesn't mesh necessarily with what we believe it should be uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people um, yeah. by any means so same same benefit of the doubt given to backyard breaks and luber here uh it just it just goes to highlight that you know one questionable bad decision can can really spiral out of control and now we're seeing that on twitter with you know potential rumors that that he may be out now as fanatic ceo so i don't know if you really want to touch on that much and maybe more macro you know just what this appearance on backyard breaks and some of the some of the fallout from that could mean for him or fanatics or for the hobby in general um, but it does seem like there's there's rumors swirling from from legitimate names in the hobby that there could be some potential fallout from this, which includes him no longer being the head of the sports car division of Fanatics. Yeah, I mean, there's no way Fanatics and Michael Rubin are happy with him right now. I mean, like the only attention coming onto Josh Luber over the last week and a half or so has been negative attention. So it wouldn't be surprising to see this kind of be coming down as a decision. I'm never one to be rooting for people to lose their jobs or, or whatever, but I, we're just going to report what, what we're seeing. We should, we should, we're recording this at 3.30 or so Eastern time on Wednesday, May 25th. This is purely, could be hearsay. Like this is purely just what something we saw on Twitter from a couple maybe reputable um, sources about an hour ago that there's some strong rumors that Josh Luber may be out at Fanatics. Now, again, please take this with the biggest grain of salt. We're not we're not coming here to to break any kind of news or anything like that. But maybe by the time you hear this, you'll have heard that this is true and he's out. I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's fascinating if he is. I mean, he was the guy we were talking about, his manifesto that came out and that he had all this um, experience with StockX and, and that he is a very strong collector himself. And we were kind of happy that someone with his background was kind of in charge of the of basically the future of cards. And you have to imagine he was a big part of all these talks with Tops and 
taking over that company and also the players associations and, and getting these deals, you know, done in, in that huge swoop that was surprising to everyone and to him be out even before they even really start releasing any of their own cards would be just a, quite the development, quite the development and not the best start for fanatics as kind of the king of the card world. So let's just see what happens there. Uh, I think I'm done talking about all the negativity in the, in the industry. Though. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> let's uh, we, we need a deep breath here yeah. just to kind of center us back to reality and bring us back to the sports that we're so happy to talk about. Um, but again, I think just macro takeaway from, from all of this discussion is just to do your own research when it comes to uh, working with other people in the industry, wherever that may be, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's fantasy sports, DFS, sports betting, sports cards, as we're talking here today, just do your research, understand who you're working with uh, and, and make the best decisions that you can. But I'm going to hard pivot, steer the ship back in the direction of sports and get back to these NBA conference final series that we haven't necessarily talked about yet. Uh, and would like to get your take on it, as I know you're still deep in the basketball streets. But as I mentioned off the top, we've seen a lot of blowouts in each series, really just a lack of competitive games where, you know, even some of the final scores that look close aren't exactly there. In the Eastern Conference, specifically margins of victory of 11, 25, 6, and 20. The series there is tied 2-2 between Miami and Boston. We're, as you just mentioned, recording Wednesday. Uh, I see that odds makers have the Celtics pegged to get past the Heat. They're minus 190 on DraftKings right now. Just real quick before we get even into the sports card market for some of these guys, what has stood out to you most from a basketball perspective through the first four games of this Eastern Conference final series? Yeah, I mean, you know, you you hit the nail on the head just from a macro view of playoffs in general that like we had a great first round and a half or so. And then, you know, since basically the middle of the second round, there's been more blowouts than not. It's been it's been kind of sad to see um, this series has had a couple uh, decent games thrown in there. My, my, my kind of general take is that Miami, uh, once again, as, as people continue to probably underestimate who they are, we shouldn't, they were the number one seed, but have been impressive in the series. I think Boston by all, um, accounts is probably the more talented team. Um, you know, basically had been first in most metrics since the all-star break and, um, you know, really surprising just going on this run. I still like them to come out of the series as does, as does Vegas, but there's no doubt that Jimmy Butler and Miami are, are just chippy, you know, hard nosed, strong playoff competitors. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it certainly could still go either way. I mean, Miami has home court advantage, you know, big, um, game five coming up tonight i believe and yep. um you know we'll see we'll see what happens there but yeah i mean i'm impressed with miami i think boston though they have barely been at full strength so they've had marcus smart miss a couple games robert williams has missed a couple games out horford has missed a game so you know they barely have had all their firepower on the court at once here and i do think if they're able to get everyone back and healthy uh, i do think that they have uh, miami's number here I think obviously you have to start with Jason Tatum from a card perspective with this Eastern Conference final series and the names remaining. If you kind of just zoom out to the point where they really started to go on this run after the All-Star break and are now here in the conference finals, you can see that Tatum buyers and Tatum backers have been rewarded with massive, massive returns over the last couple of months. Just looking at his quarterly change on almost everything, you know, from this 2017 base to his 2017 prism and colored refractors in between, you know, up 75, 80, 100 percent over the last quarter. But if you zoom in a little bit closer and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, even the last month, things have been relatively flat, even down some slightly. Uh, I, I guess my biggest question here with respects to Tatum's market would be in the short term before we think long term, how much of the Celtics making the finals 
or even winning at all, do you think is already baked into this price? As in, if they go on to win this series and let's say see the Warriors in the finals, are we going to see a big jump again for Tatum's market that, that may have already been priced in? Yeah, it's a really good question because, I mean, generally the card market in, in, is down right now as the rest of the economy is, right? I mean, right, right. A lot of time it's going to follow suit the card yeah. market. You know, I mean, the entire stock market has been getting crushed. Crypto has been getting crushed. Cards have not been in a great spot. Maybe we could talk about that in a couple of weeks, see how, how it recovers as the rest of the world types to recover. But what you are seeing is guys like Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and, and some of these other guys that have had a lot of success in this playoff run. Um card market rightfully go up in them. That's how, we, and we talk about that. That's always still a very good sign that, you know, encore performance, especially in big games are, uh, you know, still impacting the card market. Uh, it's a great question you have about what, in what part of him, you know, potentially getting to the finals or winning a finals is baked into this price. Uh, and I do think probably about like 80, 85% um, of this increase is baked into that. I, I really do. I mean, it's, I think people are easier, have an easier time spending money on someone like Jason Tatum, who's still in the, 14 years old and um, <laughs> whatever he's 23 or whatever uh, and is just so clearly has room to grow and is already a top 10 player in the league and might win a championship right now. There's a lot of reasons to talk to yourselves into, okay, I can spend a lot of money on this kind of guy. It's a good investment piece long-term. Uh, there's a little bit more room as there always will be with someone like this. The second he wins a real ring, which I'm sure will happen at some point, it seems like this Boston team has really good foundation might happen as soon as two weeks from now, although the sirens are telling me, it will not. Um, Bad omen right there. That's yeah. just a, uh, an awful omen for the Celtics. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I do think they have as good of a chance as any team to win right now. So I do think there's a little bit more room for someone like Tatum. But long term, and like the sky's the limit for him, um, you know, similar to what I was talking about with Giannis last year. Like I think it's Giannis is, is another level. Like Giannis has a chance to be a top five, top eight guy of all time. Tatum has a chance to be a top 15, 20, though. There's no reason to think otherwise. And, you know, he still does things that I think need a lot of room. Like, um, you know, he disappears in some games. Sometimes his shot selection isn't always the best yet. He's still that elite and that talented. So I have no problem, uh, you know, speculating if you, if you are a firm believer that the Celtics are winning at all, um, you know, there's some more room here, but yeah, I think a lot of it's baked into kind of speculating out for sure. The, the next guy that I've been most intrigued by, and maybe he's not even the next biggest hobby name uh, that's left in this series, but the guy that intrigued me the most as I was looking through these guys and looking through their card markets was Jalen Brown. Yeah. Uh, just a really interesting case study of on-court play plus team playing really well, not really translating to big increases in his card market. You know, in his 2016 stuff, uh, especially in PSA 10, obviously still has an extremely low pop count. Uh, the last sale of his silver in a PSA 10 was for just $366. Crazy. A card that has a, a minuscule pop count. And that was on May 22nd, yep. right? So I think in terms of Jalen's market, it, it kind of begs the question, is there really any room for this market to even grow regardless of what happens uh, on the court over the next couple of weeks and beyond. Will collectors and investors ever reward Jalen Jalen Brown for uh, you know the Celtics winning a title or for him being a top 25 or whatever player because he doesn't have that marketability off the court? Yeah, and I actually think this would be a really good NBA offseason type of topic is just <laughs> analyzing true right. number twos. Mm -hmm. that are still top 30 players in the league and what their markets have looked like over time. Because he's, he, as you mentioned, a fascinating case study because he's a very good player. But as Tatum has continued to ascend, Jalen's talents kind of have stayed just very good. And, you know, I'm not necessarily seeing leaps from him right now in this playoffs. It doesn't mean he's, he's bad in any way. He's been great. He's still a great player. Um, but he's not Jason Tatum. And it's a clear, you know, one, two, where maybe even six months ago, some people may have looked at it more as a 1A, 1B. 
uh, it, there's been a, a, a big divide. And usually when you see someone who is as hobby dominant and as dominant on the court as Tatum, you, there isn't that much room for the other guys on their team. And we see this with like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Obviously, they're still not the same type of players that um, Jalen Brown is. But you'll see it when we're the team we're talking about in a minute. Like Clay Thompson has never had the, anywhere close to the same type of market that Stephen Curry has, neither has Draymond Green. Um, you know, you're going to see this a lot when there's like a jet, like truly a top 10 guy with a top 30 guy as a number two. So it's a little bit scary. And then that said, I look at the $360 price and I'm like, man, for someone of his talent, for a low pop year, for right before we were really getting into super ultra modern for Prism, I think that's a decent buy for a bunch of reasons. One, you know, just the ring gives a little bit of a, a lift there. He is more electric and explosive than someone like Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. Like, I do think there's more there there as a, a true wing who can go off for 40, 50 points when he, you know, every now and then. Like, he's got some upside there that I think maybe some number twos um, don't. And, you know, I think that if he wins the ring, it helps. But I also think we don't know what those again another guy who's just in his early 20s we don't know what the rest of his career is going to look like if he ever does get a chance to be a number one on a team somewhere like that's where that that card you know really really ascends i don't know i don't think he's ever a best player on a championship team but he could be a true number two and i, I think it's a little bit dismissive to have this card be sitting around 350 dollars with a pop of 246. um i think that's i think that's low i really do i think it's low and i don't know how much i have room it has to grow but i think it's a little bit more than this all right, let's, let's kick it to the heat because I think that they've been a little bit dismissed in some of our circles, some of the media covers that I have consumed. I think a lot of people uh, kind of just assume at this point that the combination of the the talent at the top with Jason and, and Jalen and, and some of the depth that they've got with Horford coming on now, Grant Williams, and these guys are just going to put Miami away, but they're the one seed. They've got home court advantage. We're going to Miami tonight. Uh, and Miami, I think, is actually two and a half point dogs at home. Last I had looked, if I saw that correctly, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, a, an interesting name here in the hobby, as well as he maybe gets that chance uh, at, at another NBA Finals here, of course, comes from that 2012 Prism class, that iconic 2012 Prism class. Another guy that I want to ask your take on, and I think you'll have a similar answer, his last sale of his Prism Silver was up 71% on May 18th, a pop of just 19 yeah, 19, not 1,900, 19 uh, for his 2012 Prism Silver. Last sold for right around $3,100. How much of that sale, uh, how much of them making the finals, how much of them being in the conference finals was baked into that sale? Because I look at somebody like, you know, 2012 Anthony Davis Silver and his card sitting right around 3,700. Is there even much room for this Jimmy Butler card to grow if they go on to the finals and go on to win? Yeah, that's a it's a great point. I think that sale particularly because that pop is so low, it's one of those things like if there's a buyer out there that wants that card when it's up when it's on the market, they're they'll pay yeah. whatever for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that there for a card like that, like, yeah, I mean, if they go and win a title, there's a little bit more room. But again, it's like it's such a low pop with but just such a specific target audience. I actually think Jimmy Butler in general has been one of the most underappreciated hobby names forever. Um, especially, yeah. you know, when he went on the bubble run and now what he's doing again here. I mean, he becomes a different player in the playoffs. Uh, he's been a top 15 guy in the league for a long time, true two-way star, but I don't think he just has that like, cachet and marketability that some of these other young guys have, especially with younger people in the hobby. I mean, he's been around for a long time. Um, I find that he is someone that, to me, like both the base 2012, because 2012 is one of the years that you can really look at base still, right? So mm -hmm. I think the, the base, his base 2012 prism, is has a pop of 800 or so it's only a 237 dollar card like i think he's always been low for me i think his national treasure stuff so the 2012 rpas um you know out of out of nt i have one of those i think that they're just historically have been 
undervalued for if this guy ever wins wins a ring um you know we're talking about like a you know if you if you were to get that raw um it's only about a $1500 card there those are numbered to 199 so you know your exact run count on those they're beautiful cards on card autographs like i just think that for, he's he's weirdly been undervalued but at this point unless he definitely wins a title i don't think anything's changing that i mean he's been an all-star now for for years and years um you know he's shown that he's better in the playoffs i just think at this point his market is what it is uh, unless he wins a title i think he gets a little bit of a boost uh, but yeah I, I think that you know when there's the super low pop stuff like those you know the 2012 silvers because those are so low count or like any kind of golds or anything like that i think people will pay what they want to pay that are jimmy butler collectors but besides that i don't know if there's there's i don't i just don't know i don't if, if his stuff's not going to be doing it now where they're you know making another run here i, I don't know if it ever does I almost need like a poster in front of my computer to like remind me that a lot of the people that we're talking to and a lot of people that got into the hobby, you know, myself included, got in, you know, late, right? We're coming in this 2018, 2019, 2020. We're focused on players that we were seeing in rookie classes when we were getting into the hobby. And yeah, Jimmy Butler's better as a basketball player than a lot of these guys. It might be equally as marketable, but he comes from the 2012 class. He's a known commodity. Like, is there gonna is he gonna be talked about in a way that's gonna keep him relevant when his career is over? You know, which is coming Great sooner point. rather than later, versus some of these guys that'll still be in the lexicon from these 2018, 2019, 2020 classes for years to come. And that will people people will continuously be willing to bet on, you know, upside and bet on talent versus guys that are known all-stars like Jimmy Butler. And I think that becomes kind of the question with the age of some of the guys that we're looking at is is there really any more room to grow or are they what they are? And there may only be downside from here uh, because they, they fall out of conversation once their career ends. And I don't know if Jimmy Butler's that guy. I don't know if like he, we, we just stopped talking or thinking about him once his career is over. Um, but certainly doesn't seem great with a pop count of, you know, uh, $800 on that base card only going for around $200. I mean, it just seems like it is what it is at this point and, and collectors and hobbyists, nowadays have decided that's you know that they just that's not where they want to put their money great great point and i think i think the people that aren't ultra modern rookies really do get overlooked unless they are generational so like yeah. it, we're going to talk about it with some of these other guys too when we talk about the warriors but like you see steph curry from his 2012 stuff not even technically his real rookies and that stuff will hold up like like crazy crazy well yeah. and then you see clay thompson which it is his real rookie and it doesn't um and these guys that just kind of get lost in the the just get lost in the shuffle of the job Ants and anthony edwards and even even the examples that we were using a couple of weeks ago on the pot of like jordan Poole and tyrese maxi and these guys that just get the hype built around them and they're and they're new and exciting and flashy and only 21 or whatever and you know people get really talk themselves into um you know their legacies aren't defined or built yet and people talk themselves into what they can be and you have someone like jimmy butler what we know what he is and like the only room for him to grow is maybe putting a ring on his finger and i think that would help his stuff a little bit but yeah i think most of these guys that are like were are like potential hall of famers and are great but not all time all time from like the 2012 and earlier stuff are just getting lost they're just getting lost and like i think that it's they're fun pc pieces they're fun mm -hmm. to um speculate on if you ever think they can like win a ring and, and jump up a little bit but yeah i don't think it's ever like a huge room for tons of delta with these guys i just don't think i don't think it's happening I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to transition to a guy that I think I, I hate. I hate continuously thinking that this guy still has upside after he's let me down time and time and time again. But still, just 24 years old, I've been a big time Bam believer. A guy that I think that we've talked about before on this podcast and hoped that he would kind of be next in line to take this big 
offensive leap and kind of transcend the position and really transcend into hobby relevance. We just really haven't seen it from him, especially consistently enough to bank on that ever becoming a thing. You know, his base, his silver refractor markets, they're all down right now. Uh, is there any reason to buy into this BAM narrative that there might still be a leap coming, that he's only 24, that, you know, maybe he'll get the usage rate to become an offensive monster for this team down the road? Or, or am I just throwing money away at this point? No, you know, he's, he's more of an interesting case because he right is at the, you know, the tip of the ultra modern era. And, you know, we, we've spoken about him, I think a lot on this thing. I, I would just, if I, if I were to use one word to describe him right now, I would be slightly undervalued uh, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the problem is the big man thing and he's been disappointing yeah. this series. And it's not, that's, he's had one really great game that Miami won in, in game three. I believe he was great. And that was when Jimmy Butler, you know, got hurt and, and he had to step up. Um, but, you know, it's not surprising because Celtics have the best defense in the league that he's, that he's struggled here, but you do need to see more out of him. The only way that Miami can win this series is, is if, if Bam out of bio is hitting ceiling games and uh, it could definitely happen. And there's room here because if he does and he gets past it, like, you know, he, I think he matches up pretty well with like golden state or something like that, where like, they don't really necessarily have an athletic type of big that can, that can match with, with Bam. So like, there's a chance they get to the finals and he really shines. Um, and he's, and he's young and he, and there's, there's lots of room for his game to go. He's a great passer. Uh, mm -hmm. he's actually a decent playmaker. Like, you know, if, if he's ever able to kind of, you know, get more of that general, you know, maybe casual love where people understand how good this guy is, there's some room there. And especially because the price is, are, are so cheap. I actually don't think he's a bad, bad buy, especially where you kind of speculate right now when they have a chance to actually do something over the next two weeks, like it's, it's an interesting case for me as well. Um, yes. I mean, it is, it is one of those situations where he's still down now and may have that like short-term boost if they end up winning this series and then go to, you know, push golden state to six or seven or whatever. And you've got like this really short-term window where you can take advantage, or you do believe in the long-term ability for him to take that next step. And all of a sudden you're talking about holding this for a couple of years before taking advantage. Uh, anyone else in this series that you want to touch on before I, I prod you for a prediction? Yeah, no. Um, no, I mean, not really. There, there's no one else on Boston to me that is like that interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if you like, there's those, those fringe guys that are never going to be like super hobby stars, but like Marcus Smart and Al Horford and these guys that probably have like some PC collectors and people out there that, um, you know, might be looking to take advantage of some stuff there. I think there are interesting names just to keep an eye on um, that have been fantastic all year. Um, and, you know, if Boston goes on to win, would have a big play in their type of, uh, you know, you know, run. So I just think keeping an eye on on those kind of secondary guys are, are an interesting way to, to look at this playoffs. And then, no, I mean, Miami, Miami's man full of like, you know, these young, like Tyler Hero was the guy, we were, was the yeah. example of, of a guy we were talking about during, during the bubble. And, um, you know, has completely shot down despite the fact that he just won um, six men a year, the pop on the pop on his stuff is just going to be too high for me. Um, that's ever like even touch it one way or the other. He's also not been a huge factor in these playoffs. So if they were somehow to squeak through and, you know, he was a big player in the finals, once again, I think there could be some selling opportunity for Tyler hero, but, uh, for now I'm kind of just a wait and see on, on most of these guys in, in the series. All right. Are you, are you in on Boston to pull this out and, and how many games? Yeah, I think so. Um, Miami's definitely surprised me and shown it to me tonight. The reason that they're dogs tonight at home is, I mean, they have Tyler Hero, um, Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker. I think they're all questionable. Oh, wow. Max Struess. And like the Miami always list guys as questionable, but they actually have some true question marks here sure. tonight. So, um, you know, I, I yeah, I think I, I think I'm going to go Boston in seven here, which would mean that they take seven on on the road. But yeah, Miami showed me enough that I don't think this is, you know, going to be going in, in five or six. So, well, can't go in five. Um, in in six so yeah i think but I, I i am as a new yorker i am usually rooting against boston so i would not mm -hmm. mind seeing seeing miami win but i i'll take boston 
And uh, Jason Tatum as Eastern Conference Finals MVP? I guess so. Um, Man, yeah. see, this is, I was looking at odds earlier, and this is like a kind of a tangent, um, but both for uh, Eastern Conference MVP and Finals MVP, Jalen Brown, man, like the odds seem okay there where I think the gap between superstars and guys that would be gifted credit by like media and, and you know, guys like us, uh, the gap is seems a little bit more narrow than for other teams, right? Like I think if Golden State wins, uh, that's probably Steph Curry's trophy. If Miami wins, that's probably Jimmy Butler's trophy. Um, but like get, get to the finals and it's Jason, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like the gap seems a little bit more close than for some of these other teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, the other weird thing about the the like Boston is depending on like defensive coverages and stuff, like they have other guys that can potentially surprise in in, in that in that arena. I mean, Tatum mm-hmm. would be the odds on odds on favorite, but like if you were to tell me Al Horford did yeah. what he did, you know, in the last round again against Milwaukee, which he had, you know, one of the all-time series, like I wouldn't be surprised if mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, I think Andrew Wiggins has as good of a chance to win Western Conference Finals MVP right now as, oh, as Steph baby. Curry does. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would lean Tatum. Uh, he's had one dud game. The other games, he's been really good. He had uh, 29 and 8, 27, 5 and 5, 31 and 8 in the last game. So game three was his really bad game. But uh, yeah, I think if they were to win in six, say, and his next two games are two more dominant performances, Tatum's going to win that award. All right, let's kick it to the Western Conference where things are a little bit more cut and dry here. I do want to start with the Warriors as they're up 3-1. Um, and even after last night's performance where they almost came back, uh, seemed like they're going to take this series obviously probably in five or six. We'll see how that ends up going. But I want to start here, obviously, with with Steph Curry in rarefied air in the hobby. Very few names of guys that you can even mention before him. You know, we're talking Durant and LeBron and guys like that at this point. Um, you know, I, we, we've joked in this podcast in the past, and I always joke with myself about how bad I am at doing the all-time ranking of players and things like that. And I, I truly just dislike doing that because I'm not yeah. not good at it. And generally my brain tends to forget what happened before a certain period of time. And usually that's like 2016. So if you played before 2016, I just can't give you any credit for being good at basketball at all. <laughs> um, you know, usually this discourse happens around this time of year, especially as guys like Steph and and bad before it was LeBron and, and KD and these guys. Like we start to have this, type of discussion of top 10 top 15 top 20 players of all time and it seems like now and maybe i'm just more a little bit more plugged in but it seems like now that this discussion revolving around steph's name as a top 10 player all time is more prevalent in this run do you think that there's any legacy defining stuff here for steph if you were to take this version of the warriors team to uh, a finals win and like all of a sudden, you know, people can forget about the 73 and nine and forget about KD. And, and now he take, took a lesser team. He was the clear cut alpha on that team and kind of just be a nice feather in his cap, if you will, not even like a legacy defining thing, but just a nice feather in his cap when we look back on his career and might even push these cards further into that pantheon of, of, of greatness with LeBron and those guys. I weirdly do. I think this is a all real right. legacy uh potential uh you know increase for Stephen Curry which is crazy to think about because I think he's pretty you consensus top 20 on everybody's list at this point I mean definitely the best shooter of all time probably a top five point guard top six point guard of all time no matter how you look at it but he's got three rings right now right um he's got two MVPs I think I think the the jump from three rings to four rings you know from a legacy perspective is a very big one um four rings puts him in uh, pretty rarefied air um I think that's what like magic and and bird i think they do they each have four i think kareem somewhere around there um so 
obviously Kobe has five, Shaq has four, you know, but, um, you know, he'd be, he'd be tying LeBron at that point. So, but to do it with this, with this iteration, as you said, and obviously, you know, they took advantage of a year where there wasn't any necessarily clear cut favorite, but the fact that they're still, you know, they, we thought that this golden state run was over and this is a very different iteration that has guys like Jonathan Kaminga and youth on the team, but for them to keep it going here when we thought it was, when we thought it was done and, you know, for him to look as maybe not as, as amazing as absolute peak Steph, but he's not far off. And, you know, to bring this team with Clay Thompson coming back on, uh, you know, after one of the most, you know, terrible injuries you can suffer not playing basketball for two and a half years, Draymond Green is definitely not the same exact player he was, although he's still incredibly impactful. Um, to bring this team to to the finals and, and to potentially win, and I think if they get, if and when they get there, they're, they're one game away, I think they have a great chance of doing so. I think it's, yeah, I think it, I think it boosts him up. It doesn't matter for his hobby, though. It doesn't matter for the hobby. I mean, it, it, it'll take him from... You think it, it it is what it is at this yeah, point, right? Like there's not going to be any sort of no. It'll take him from like could it take him from like um like LeBron to to Jordan stratospheres from a hobby perspective? Like I'm not saying NBA perspective. I'm saying like hobby numbers perspective. Yeah. Like sure, especially because he's got like incredible cash day that every single person loves Stephen Curry. Not every single person loves LeBron James, and quite the opposite. So um, I think that's possible. Like I do think it's possible from like a relative perspective that he could be as high as it gets in the hobby. But it's it's all numbers that that are silly numbers at this point for any, anything that's decent out of, of first step. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, it's just the best way to get your hands on this stuff just whenever you can, almost like dollar cost averaging into Steph Curry via like rally and yeah, I think so. places I think like that. Just incredibly safe, incredibly, yeah. incredibly safe, as safe as it comes for, for NBA, literally as safe as it. I think he's safer than Giannis. I think he's safer than LeBron. I think I, I get from like a relative perspective. I think it's, I, I don't think, there's one NBA player that is safer than Stephen Curry from an investor's investment perspective because the legacy is already con concrete. It's only growing. Um, and his approval rating is pretty much unanimous. So like there's, yeah, I, I, and he's the greatest shooter. Like there's just so many reasons that it's as safe as it comes. For and now, now the off court stuff too, especially like the, the NFT stuff and the board ape stuff. And like people, people really buy into that narrative now, yep. uh, you know, as, as he comes into the new age and starts doing things uh, more off the court too. So I to couldn't agree more uh, with that take. I don't really have anyone else on the Warriors that I want to talk about. I know you do uh, a bunch of guys that are kind of at different points of their careers and also different points uh, in terms of, of hobby love and, and hobby cachet. Who stands out to you most next, uh, obviously, after Steph on this Warriors team? Yeah, well, we don't need to we don't need to beat the Jordan Poole drum too much. We've done this a lot already over the last couple of weeks. I'll say this: his his minutes have actually gone down in this series. I don't think they've liked they've been playing Kevon Looney more. They've been matching up better that way. He's still been solid when he's on the floor, but he's been getting hunted defensively. So I think that though he'll be more involved in a um, finals run than he is now. So I think you still do have some time to kind of sell off these Jordan this Jordan Poole bubble. I don't think it's as hot as it was towards the beginning of this playoffs, but. The numbers are still insane there. I've been continuously selling Jordan Poole. So I just wanted to say that's where I'm at with him. Um, I think Clay and Draymond are just interesting names that are like similar to like a like a more refined version of the Jalen Brown conversation. Like I don't think much is changing with them. If they have some sort of insane, insane legacy defining series where like they hit like if Clay, you know, Clay, Clay has those, those, you know, crazy games where, you know, he can go off. Like you might see you might see little little bumps here or there, but I don't think there's much changing there. I think Jonathan Kaminga is a really interesting name. So okay. I just want to talk about this from a perspective. He's not going to play much at all if in the finals. I, I, he, he won't. But when he does play his couple of minutes, he's, he's flashy on the floor. He's obviously not ready to be playing real minutes in, in, uh, in the NBA playoffs right now. But if they win, he gets that ring. He gets it out of the way in year one or two or whatever. <laughs> it's pretty wild. 
Yeah, and like, right. he's, cause he's like 19 and is insanely talented and will be a very big contributor to this team one day and had was at times throughout the season. So I just think it's, I just think it, it, it makes him as for when this prism stuff comes out, like it, it just makes him a little bit more interesting um, as a long-term investment piece. If he has, if he has a ring, he, he, no matter how you look at it, he does get a ring at that point. So I just think it's interesting. Okay. I love that. I love that a lot because I, you know, it wasn't a, a thing that I had even considered prior yeah. to prior to hearing that, but like the, the nucleus of this team should stay relatively close as at the point where he becomes a contributor. Right. I would think that maybe he's oh, yeah, playing. Yeah. And next playing year he'll big, be, I mean, he'll get 20 minutes a game in the regular season yeah. next year. It's the second of can, can he evolve to the point where he's going to be trusting in these big playoff moments? Mm-hmm. He's not there yet, but anyone that watches him, you you see how special this guy's going to be, and he can be already. I mean, he's insane, insane. It's like, it's rare to take that trajectory, like you said. You get the ring out of the way, then you you're 20 minutes uh, being a, a you know C level, B le- B plus level contributor for uh, a good team, and then maybe the team's yours. Like right, if, yeah. if we get the total bull case for Kaminga as as a uh, investment what's so piece about this Warriors team in general. I mean, they have Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga yeah. and Moses Moody's pretty good, and like they they have like this the old school the and then transition. the new school and it's together, and that's what's so interesting about Steph bringing this team to where it is it's a fascinating fascinating team um yeah i think we're running long here I yeah let's let's, let's, let's save the luca discussion for when he's eliminated unfortunately okay um, okay that's fair which, which will be very which will be very soon uh i i bet heavily on the mavericks last night i did not think i thought luca was that kind of player which i we all know he is that he's not getting swept in any playoff series that he's ever i don't think that's ever going to happen so he went out in game four last night at home and the mavericks won he had 30 and 14 or something like that he's that good um you know, I think that you, you've you had your opportunities to sell Luca over the last couple of weeks during this run. It's coming to an end. I have no problem with holding Luca as a long-term piece. I think he's going to be an all-time great. So we can have a more nuanced discussion uh, when, when the Mavs are eliminated. You just you just gave me goosebumps with that Luca take with uh, saying that he's the type of player that's never going to get swept in a, in a playoff series. I like that. Oh yeah, no. I mean, he's 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 insane. Like I mean, he, I, he is he is not not to go down the actual Luca path here, but he. I mean, he is just. <laughs> it's sad how how much he has to carry this team. It's almost yeah, early no, early career LeBron stuff. 40, from a depth, 40, 40 from a depth night, perspective, you know I mean? from a depth perspective, these two teams are yeah. They don't they don't compare to each other. So all right, um, all right. let's yeah. let's wrap up here because NFL Prism release is literally knocking on our freaking doorsteps finally we're going to get our hands on some prison product for these oh, yeah. quarterbacks that we've talked about now for god a year uh i think that it's been it's the the regular hobby boxes are set to release june 3rd first off the line is coming tomorrow so we're going to get our first view of some of this product fairly quickly hopefully we'll have some immediate takeaways um blowout cards right now has them listed for 1600 a box right now a hefty, hefty premium to pay. I mean, if you just look at the 2020 boxes with you know Burrow and Herbert uh, that are going for around 2150 right now, these boxes being 1600, we're expecting a lot from this quarterback class. We've talked about it a lot. I think there are some names that are interesting in this product, but pretty high expectations out of the gate. You know, what are just real quick here before we get out uh, today? What are your initial thoughts on the checklist? Your expectation for the product? Any immediate takeaways at the sixteen hundred dollar price tag that we're expected to pay for this product? Yeah, I mean, I think that. Well, let's let's see. I mean, that's gonna that's what blowouts resale is gonna yeah. be. If you're able to get your hands on it, I don't know what Panini's coming out with them at retail. I mean, the Dutch auction for first off the line, I think, is starting at twenty five hundred tomorrow. So maybe you'll be able to snag those around. 1800 or so um i'm curious what they do retail at blowouts usually on the higher end of those resales so like you might be able to find them for 14 1500 in your local hobby shops after they release obviously a very hefty price um yeah i mean what i do is if you're trying to buy some 
uh, prison boxes to hold. I think it's actually really safe here because, again, we expect at least two or three of these guys to take a big second-year leap, similar to what we just saw to Joe Burrow right when he came back, and then those boxes skyrocketed even more, despite the fact that we already had, uh, you know, Herbert the big name from from last year. So I think that the second we see any of these guys, you know, play effectively on the field, um, these can go from 1400 to 2000 very fast. So if you're trying to just sit on some wax and you can get your hands on it and you you have the money to just buy whatever you can, I think it's super safe. All right, I am I'm I'm literally excited to yeah. to see some of this product. I know we've been waiting yeah. for a lot of these guys. We just talked about a few of them on last week's episode as well. Um we're going to be back next week for more football. Probably if not my favorite, my second favorite show to do after the draft show, we're going to be back with Establish the Runs awards market guru, Ryan Reynolds, uh, looking at some of these guys and some of the other guys that we have our eyes on uh, in the NFL hobby as well, just how their 2022 season outlook may impact their card prices. We had a really fun discussion with Ryan last year on MVP markets, on offensive rookie of the year markets, on comeback player of the year markets some of which came to fruition. Uh, I know we had some big hits on Joe Burrow and guys like that. So getting Ryan's perspective on how the award markets shake out is really going to inform some of our decisions on what we do in the hobby. Any final thoughts before we leave the people today? No, I'm, I'm excited for that episode too. And I would actually encourage anyone to go back to last year. I'm trying to find quickly what episode number it was and listen to it because I think we hit on the, some of those stuff. And looking at the awards market, uh, as an indicator of trying to kind of pick your off-season buys, I think is a really, really fascinating way to do things. And I can guarantee you no other podcasts are looking at it that way. And Ryan's the best in the business at doing that. So it's going to be a really fun conversation uh, next week. There's there's no doubt about it. That was episode nine, uh, which was last June. So a little under a year ago. I would go I would go back, just, ch- just check it out. I think we did a good job. I think we'll do the same thing next week. So looking forward to that. All right. For Gary, I'm Cody. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, everybody.